Welcome to another episode of Marketing 101 for Chiropractors, where we keep you ahead of the curve, attracting more new patients and growing your business. Now, here's your host, Dr. D himself. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing 101 for Chiropractors. We got a very cool guest this week, Mr. Colin Carr from Car Inc. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're from. So uh, we're headquartered out of uh, Denver, Colorado. Been here for about 24 years now. I uh, grew up in Michigan and made the trek out here back uh, back a while ago. Uh, I started a company in 2009 that exclusively represents healthcare providers with their commercial real estate space. So started doing real estate uh, when I was 18, 19 years old. I started in property management, got into brokerage in um, my early 20s, and I did retail for like Walmart, Wendy's, Blockbuster, like large national retailers. Later got experience doing office and industrial and so forth, and then just settled into the healthcare niche. Um, which is where I'm in now. So I uh, started a company in 2009 and we are now coast to coast. We're licensed in all 50 states. We represent thousands of uh, healthcare providers and other professionals on an annual basis. And you know, our, our whole mission is to protect their time, help them be as profitable as possible, maximize their profitability in any real estate transaction, and then just to avoid you know complications and pitfalls in their in their real estate dealings. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, so all of you listening out there, I mean, whether you're leasing, looking to find a space, lease or buy or buying, I mean, Colin's your guy. He's he's going to answer the top questions from my perspective. But if you have any more questions after this, please reach out to him. We'll have all of his handles and his contact information here after the podcast. But this is such a great resource to have uh, someone who truly knows what they're doing that's in the field. Be careful with the from my perspective, be careful with the real estate industry. Everyone feels like that they can do everything. Uh, and when we bought this building, it was a patient of ours. He was doing mainly real estate, uh, residential. And of course he's like, I could do commercial. No, no, he couldn't. And, uh, we went through a, a lot of mishap and a lot of anger for no reason, because there's so many little things that you need to know about commercial real estate. And just cause you have a real estate license doesn't mean, um, that you know it all in all aspects when it comes to industrial, commercial, residential. I don't know. Florida is a gong show when it comes to this stuff. Like everyone and their dog can sell property here. I'm like, well, this makes no sense. But that's a different story for a different day. So when when people are looking, when professionals are looking for space, what's the top thing that they have to consider, whether it's going to be signing a lease or making the purchase into their own space? Yeah, a lot of times that that uh, that question, that evaluation starts with the idea of, you know, do you have the capital to purchase commercial real estate? So in, in residential real estate, I mean, you can get like a first time home loan or a VA loan or there's this FHA. There's a lot of different programs where you might be able to buy your first home with only three percent down or something like that. Um, you know, there's some pretty aggressive programs for healthcare providers, but a lot of times it still takes 10 percent down or 20 percent down. So the first question is, do you have the capital? Next question is going to be, are there any properties available to purchase in the area that you want to be located in? You know, unlike residential, where there's always a house or an apartment you can purchase or a townhome or condo, like in commercial real estate, well over 90% of the properties available are for lease only, not for sale. And so you might say, hey, I've got the money to purchase. I want to be in this area and there might not be any options for it. So inventory drives that conversation as well. Um, another thing is just is, is this cash flow. Sometimes there's options to purchase, 
but they might cost you like two or three times more per month than leasing would. And you might say, hey, it's not worth it from a cash flow perspective for me to own because yes, there's benefits of principal pay down, additional tax deductions, depreciation, and then other intangibles. But you might say, hey, listen, I can lease for 5,000. I don't want to pay 15,000 to own. And so it could be a cash flow scenario as well. Um, and then you get into other concepts like, do you want to be in that location for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Like, again, unlike residential, where you can swap in and out of properties very easily, you know, you might buy a house, be there for two years, move, buy a house every two years, move. Commercial real estate is very challenging and very expensive to get in and out of. And so uh, you don't want to just try to or assume that you can just move in and move out. Um, it, it's very costly. And again, it's, just, it's very it's, it's a lot more challenging to do a commercial loan than a residential loan. And then obviously you got concepts like the space is built just for your use or similar, like everyone looking for a house wants, you know, bedrooms and bathrooms and kitchen and living room, et cetera, to garage, like in commercial real estate, you have a setup for your individual practice. It becomes a very narrow market who could use it in its current condition, or someone has to come in there and do a whole renovation, et cetera. So use matters, timing matters, but you know, assuming that, you have the down payment, assuming that there are properties available for sale that, that you would want to be in, uh, that you can see yourself there long term, that the size of the space will work for you for a very long time or indefinitely. Uh, owning commercial real estate is a phenomenal opportunity. It's a phenomenal investment. Uh, it's predicated, the success of the investment is predicated upon you being the tenant and paying the rent. So who better to bet on as far as surety or guarantee of a tenant than yourself and your practice? Uh, but the, the beauty of that is every month you cut a check to your mortgage company, you know, your net worth increases. Like you're, you're paying down principal, you're building your network, just like in a residential real estate, every month you cut a check, your, your asset value goes up. Um, you also get concepts like you get additional tax deductions with ownership. You get to depreciate the, the real estate over 39 years. You can do bonus depreciation, get, get a large tax deduction um, the first year or years that you own it. So a lot of great reasons to own. And then on the flip side, people say, well, why would you want to lease? Oh, flexibility, less money out of pocket. Uh, when you lease, it's very common to get landlords to give you very healthy concessions. Like they'll pay for uh, a large portion of your build out in a lot of scenarios or the entire build out. Um, they'll give you free rent during build out. They'll give you free rent once you open your doors to see patients. It gives you flexibility. And so, you know, from a cash flow perspective, it usually costs less to lease. Uh, they give you concessions, which improve your profitability and cash flow, gives you flexibility. And so, again, there's, there's pros and cons of both. My personal recommendation is you can go into any transaction with preferences. You can go into any transaction with, with ideas. But the best game plan for any healthcare provider or any professional is go to the market and look at all your options. Like, like take the time to hire a professional. Um, certainly you can lean or you, you can hope in a certain direction or want in a certain direction, but don't make a predetermined decision before you've seen your options because you might go to market and say, I have to own, and you might find a location for lease that, that financially makes more sense from a business going to make your practice worth a lot more, uh, to attract more patients, et cetera. And so you might find a scenario that maybe is a little bit different than you thought going into it. So go to market, look at your options. Um, that's a great way to start things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you nailed all of that there. You know, why would you lease? It's it's really truly about flexibility or getting in. I mean, many people right out of school starting their first business. I mean, you're probably going to lease. I mean, I don't know how you'd get into a commercial property in your first year, but uh, that's where it is. 
Now, you said a couple key things that I think people look over once uh, it's intimidating to get into leases. It's intimidating to work with corporations and landlords. Sometimes you have a, a local landlord. Sometimes you don't. My commercial acquisition was a, a conglomerate out of, out of South Carolina that owned these properties. So that was a very um, transactional experience. It wasn't very there was no emotion behind it because these people were not there was no one to talk to. So but when it comes to uh, leases, you t- you nailed a couple of things there. TI, you know, the allowance that is allowed for build out, uh, time frame for free rent to get started. Sometimes tenants get walked over on that process because they really don't know what to ask. What's your recommendation there? Aside from calling you prior to signing anything, of course, what yeah. would you recommend they do? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I think it's really important to start out the, with the understanding that, that you're going into a high dollar negotiation. And although you might think that people are going to treat you fairly because you're sincere, because you're integrous or because, you know, that's what you're hoping for, that's not going to be the case in a lot of scenarios. Most landlords are going to define a market leash rate by the most they can get you to pay. They're going to say, hey, listen, if you're willing to pay it, it must have been worth it for you. And, you know, if you wanted representation, you could have hired someone. It's kind of like this. The IRS assumes that you're, you're smart enough to hire a tax professional. And if you're not, you don't get you don't get uh, pardoned because you did it yourself and made mistakes. Like you make a mistake, that's on you and they're going to come for you. The, the, the police, it's the same thing. Like you say, well, I didn't know that was a law. Well, that's on you. You should have known Like I, I, you're going to have a punishment because of it. It's the same thing. Commercial real estate. You can go in there sincere. You can say, hey, landlord, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? The answer is they're going to help you pay a couple hundred thousand dollars more than you should. <laughs> okay. It's, again, I, I, I'm big on analogies. Like you step into a boxing ring, like the other person's not going to take it easy on you because you're not as good of a boxer. Like you're going to get knocked out. Like it's just, that's the way the game's played. So the first thing I tell you is you want to hire representation. You shouldn't be doing your own taxes. You shouldn't be designing your own space. Um, you should hire people that are experts in the area where you want to succeed at the highest level. Just like as a healthcare provider, you you would tell someone, you know, you shouldn't be pulling your own tooth. Like, you know, yes, your son can walk on your back. But there's probably a better way to get an adjustment. Like, again, the, the do-it-yourself approach is just fraught with areas for you to lose money, for you to, to get yourself in a really bad situation. Can you get a transaction completed? Absolutely. Can you sign a lease? Absolutely. Again, just like you can file your own tax return, doesn't mean to be done at the highest level or or best. So uh, questions like uh, you know you, you can go in there and you can say hey uh, you know what are you guys what are you guys offering for lease rates what are you offering for TI allowance um, you know how much experience do you guys have with healthcare uh, I mean you can ask questions like that but again what you're doing when you start to ask these questions as an uninformed possible tenant is you are telling them, I don't really know what I'm doing. And so you're setting yourself up to fail versus if you had an expert that took you to market, showed you your options, they're pre-qualifying, they're performing their due diligence, and they're advising you on the side. It just puts you in a place where the landlord realizes if you have an expert, they're not going to be able to take advantage of you. They're going to have to come with a more competitive offer. When you counter their first offer, they're going to have to be more reasonable on the response. And so you can go in there and just ask questions um, but it's going to probably end up costing you a lot of money. A better approach would be to hire someone who specializes in healthcare, who has no conflicts of interest, and let them guide you and advise you in the process. And they're going to save you a lot of time and a lot of energy. Great. Yeah, great question there. I mean, um, 
So depending on the market, sometimes we don't have much leverage and sometimes we do, whether we're buyer or seller, what side of the fence we're on. So as buyers getting into a lease, um, leveraging, well, how do you, how do you work that into, into a lease negotiation? Because one of the biggest things I would say, just like any major purchase, you're not going to go to the first car dealership on the first car that you see and buy it. You're probably going to do a little bit of research behind this. Is that the right SUV? Is that the right size for your family? So same thing with a lease. You may find the perfect spot close to home in the area you want to be. Um, what's the next step to that before you know signing the lease? I think a superpower is leverage. Always try and get as much leverage as you can. And, and Colin is leverage. That's one way of getting leverage, having someone who knows what they're doing. And then number two, maybe scoping out some other spaces and getting into dialogue with the landlords and seeing what the competition is like. Once you leverage your community – then you can leverage each of the uh, landlords as well. That's a that's a great tactic. It took me years to figure it out. And honestly, it's because I got burned that I learned that lesson. So what do you think with that? How should people do that? Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. You have to create leverage if you want the best possible terms. And so let's let's talk about the car dealership scenario. When you get to a car dealership, you know most of the dealerships post their pricing and and their their brand dealerships, their franchises. So you, you can you can guess or assume you're going to probably be within a, a relatively similar margin between dealerships. So people say, well, you know, how much more can they sell for over market? The difference in commercial real estate is there's no brand, there's no franchise, there's no standards, and so you could have two spaces that are similar, and you could have one landlord that wants a couple hundred thousand dollars more for a similar space on a purchase or a couple hundred thousand dollars over a 10-year lease. And so a lot of people um, you know, ignorantly make the assumption that you know, well, how much money can I really lose is probably all pretty similar. And that's not the case in commercial real estate. You can lose a significant amount. You can lose a couple hundred thousand dollars if you would have handled it properly compared to handling it poorly. So there's a lot on the line. You know, Your comment about creating leverage, that's another thing that people don't understand. You know, residential real estate, you go look at properties, you find one you like, you submit an offer in a contract form, and if the seller says, yes, I like it, you're under contract. In commercial real estate, you negotiate on what's called a non-binding letter of intent or request for proposal, where you can go back and forth with landlords, and you can go back and forth with multiple landlords simultaneously, and you're not locked and loaded in a binding contract until you agree to move forward with that lease or that purchase contract. And so the savviest commercial tenants out there are doing what you just said is they're going to multiple properties, looking at multiple options and they're getting engaged in multiple negotiations. Like if, if Starbucks goes to a market or Chipotle goes to a market or Lockheed Martin, or, or again, pick your office or your retail or your national user, they're not just picking one property and saying, what's the best you can do for me. They're going up against multiple landlords and then they don't have to wonder, is this a good deal? If one landlord says, I'm going to give you $50 a square foot for your TI allowance, and I'm going to give you a lease rate here, and I'm going to give you this much free build out, this much free rent once you open, and I'm going to do this, this, and this for you. And the next landlord says, I'm not doing any of those things for you. It's not hard to figure out which offers competitive or which one's not. And a lot of times people have a, a one option case study, which is no case study at all. And they have no idea if what they're getting is great, average, poor, terrible. They're just they're just guessing. And so you said it'd be it'd be a bad idea just to go to one car dealership and just pull the trigger on the first the first go around. A lot of people are going to one landlord or one property making a phone call and then they just they fall in love or they don't know what else to do or it's good enough. And they're moving forward with these deals and they are truly losing hundreds of thousands of dollars over a 10 year period. Yes.
Yes. What, um, so what mistakes, so now we talked about, you know, the things to do, right? What are the most common mistakes that you find most health service providers run into when it comes to this stuff, leases or purchases? So a couple might be a little repetitive, but again, they're, they're worth noting. Um, not high in representation. Number one mistake healthcare providers make. They say, I don't know who to call. I don't have time. Well, that, that statement's going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, next one is the same thing, is not negotiating with multiple landlords, just picking one property. Um, this is the most common uh, also on lease renewals. Like you're in a space, um, you like the location, and you just basically tell the landlord to send your proposal or what you ask them, what would you do for me? That's a that's a fool's game plan for commercial real estate. That's that's not how the, the pros handle it. Um, another mistake a lot of healthcare providers make, uh, or they they ask their their colleagues and peers, well, what did you get or what are you paying? And again, it makes sense if they got great terms or they had a savvy game plan. But a lot of times, it's somebody who had a really bad strategy or no strategy or no game plan, and they're asking someone else who had no strategy or no game plan and got bad terms. What did you get? And then they're just they're sharing that information. And so that that's a really common one too. Is you find people that they go to a study club, or maybe they've got you know other healthcare providers, even in different industries, but they're in the same building or the same retail strip center or across the street. And they ask them, and again, they're just they're asking people that didn't capitalize that are overpaying. Well, how much are you overpaying by? And they say, oh, that sounds good for me too. So that's a very common one. Um, and then uh, another one too is, uh, is is just kind of falling in love with the first property is, is not being patient. Residential people get so accustomed to submitting an offer and they have to like respond within a matter of minutes because there's competition and you're, you're going to be under contract in literally a matter of an hour. Commercial real estate, these negotiations can take weeks or months to complete and you've got to be patient. Like you've got to give it time to maybe go back and forth three or four or five times to get the right terms um, if that's what the market is there. Now, there are times when you submit an offer where you've got to be willing to go because you are competing, but you've got to know, am I truly competing or is a landlord just telling me they've got multiple options? You've got to be able to decipher between between fact and fiction on that. So, you know, falling in love, falling in love is a big one. And I'll give you one final one, uh, which kind of encompasses some of those other ones. If, if you're in a lease renewal, the number one mistake healthcare providers make is they talk to their current landlord first. And again, this is why it's a terrible game plan because you don't know what to measure anything that they're saying up against. Meaning you're in a current lease with a current lease rate. They send you a proposal or you submit an offer, but the statement has to be, the question has to be compared to what? Like, how do you, you, you can compare it to your current terms, but you have no idea if you're above market by $5 a square foot. You have no idea if, if two or three landlords within a three mile radius would be willing to cut your rent by 20%, pay for an entire brand new build out to get you in their space, give you enough free rent to offset your moving costs. And so when healthcare providers are in lease renewals and they go to their current landlord first, they're showing the current landlord they don't know the market. They can't talk intelligently about what other people are offering. They can't talk intelligently about what they've seen so far in the market and why they're committed to not getting taken advantage of. All they can do is compare it to their current deal. And nine out of 10 times, the current deal at an end of a five, seven or 10 year lease is not competitive. It's, it's ratcheted up every year, um, you know, six, seven, eight, 10 times, depending on how long the lease is. And they're probably over market and they probably didn't get a good deal to start with. And so, 
I, I would say if you're doing a lease renewal and you're you're starting that conversation with your current landlord instead of going to the market, you, you're doing it in the, the improper sequence or improper order. Love that. It's true. I mean, um, there's and there's things to think about. What about growth? Um, are you going to go back into another five year term or three year term? I mean, or two years? Sometimes you can do one year terms. So depending on depending on your space there too, and that's just by knowing your market. And the market has changed so drastically; it's been a roller coaster these last four years. So um, things are changing through that as well. Great. Anything else you want to add to the group? I mean, you got a lot of ears here that everyone's always thinking. Like with my consulting and everything that I do, always they're planning, and that's what good businesses do. Is even though they're in year three out of five of their term. They are planning three years down the road. So getting ready ahead of the game is great. Yes, we can't predict interest rates and what's going to happen next, but we can always plan, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you just had a couple of things that are that are noteworthy. You know, right now, interest rates are at an all-time high. And so some people are saying, well, I don't want to purchase. Here's what I tell you. If the, if the deal still pencils right now, even if it's not as competitive as you like, rates are going to come back down again. It's, it's, it's not a problem to buy right now because you're going to do what you do on your house. You're going to refinance in two years when they come back down. So um, don't, don't turn off the idea of purchasing just because rates are higher right now. There's still several lenders that are getting really competitive. They're buying down rates. They're buying deals because they want the business and they know you're going to refinance in two years anyways. And so um, interest rates should not be stopping most transactions from happening right now, as long as you can still afford the transaction and it makes sense. Um, another one I tell you is what you just mentioned. Uh, make sure you are not falling asleep at the wheel and missing your target window. If you go to your landlord and your lease expires in two months, you've lost your posture. They know that you've missed your window. It's going to be very hard for you to find a new property, get a lease signed or purchase, and then move in that time frame. They're going to feel like they've got you backed into a corner and you don't have any options. So make sure you start the process at least 12 months in advance and you want to make sure that you know the dates. It, it, you'd be amazed at how many people uh, will, will call us or they'll, they'll contact us and we'll say, well, when is your, your lease up? And, and they have no idea. They'll say, I think it's two years and it's actually three and a half or four, or they think it's two years and it's actually up in six months. So starting the process at the right time, it's, it's really, really important. Um, and again, you, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't push the brake in time, you're going to hit the car in front of you. You've, you've got to prepare and so forth, and you've got to handle the process with the attention it deserves. And I guess the last thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, I've used the terminology a couple hundred thousand dollars in a transaction and people hear that and they say, well, there can't be that, that much money on the line. Well, let's talk about it for one second and break it down. You're in a, you're in a 2,500 foot space and you're overpaying by $3 a square foot, which is very easy to do. That's $7,500 per year times 10 years. That's $75,000. You get a 4% annual increase instead of a two and a half or a three. There goes tens of thousands of dollars right there. If you don't get the TI or the build allowance that you should get, if you negotiated competitively or had multiple options, you can lose 50 to hundred thousand dollars in a build allowance like that. And it's the same thing with other concepts like free rent. So each of these things adds up to 10,000, 50,000, 20,000, in, in, in you know when you accumulate all those different areas where you can either save and win or you can you can forfeit and lose that's where you come up with that number of 100 200 300 grand very quickly and then when you make a hundred thousand dollar mistake on your lease you've got to produce a lot of times 300 400 500 thousand dollars to pay for that mistake because nobody nobody bills a dollar and keeps a dollar you bill a dollar you've got overhead you've got expenses etc and so you bill a dollar you keep 35 cents or whatever you might keep so you make $100,000 on your, on your mistake on your lease, 
you're going to have to go produce hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for it. So just the overall idea, just like your health, like don't take your health for granted. Like don't overlook things like get the care and, and the attention you deserve for your health. Treat your real estate with the same attention that your real estate deserves. Great. Thanks, Colin. I mean, these are all great tips, guys. I know this was like a bomb <laughs> podcast for you because people who are in it right now, like we just nailed it, right? Because if they're within that one year window, they're like, oh, crap, right? Which is great. That's why we do this. That's why I try to get people like you on my podcast is to keep everyone on their toes because business is a boxing match. It's just one big box boxing match. And we want to be a Tyson in our careers. We don't want to be one and done, right? So that that's what it all comes with all this. So being aware is a, is a big thing. I've got one personal example of it, like doing a five-year lease where it was automatic 19, 20, 21, 22, $23 each year increase, $1 per square foot. And it comes time for renewal. And as a tenant, you'd think, oh, I guess 24 is next, 24, 25, 26. But when I looked at the fair market value, it was still at $20 a square foot. And I was able to use that against, not against, but use it towards the landlord and be like, listen, the fair market value is still 20. I'd like to lock in at 20 for five years, no increase. And uh, and you could, because you could leverage it. I've been a great tenant for five years. I've paid it every single month, never missed the payment. Now you can start to use that um, for yourself if you're going to stay in the same spot or if you're going to expand. These are all things that you can do there. That's just a personal example from what I've learned from you today. But uh, thanks for being here. This is great. I'll make sure all the handles are there for everybody. Just look in the comments. You'll see any way to contact Colin. If you have any questions, I'm sure he's happy to, to help you in any way, shape or form. Um, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, and leave a rating. It helps get our podcast out to more listeners. Also, join Marketing 101 for Chiropractors on Facebook or visit us at EnricoD.com for more information on growing and scaling your business.